Hey everyone, thanks for watching. If you'd like to see more Hemisync podcasts, such as Episode 8 with Dean Reagan, podcasts that aren't necessarily associated with any particular Hemisync product, but simply feature fascinating guests and subjects associated with the frontiers of consciousness research and understanding, please consider joining our exclusive Patreon page and get some great discounts on Hemisync products in the bargain. Thanks for watching. Hey, thanks for joining us. For those of you that don't know me, which is probably most of you, I'm Garrett Stevens, Chairman and President of Hemisync. We're a conscious media company known for a proprietary binaural beats-based audio guidance technology uh, that induces certain states of consciousness, everything from sleep to relaxation, meditation, um, and concentration and tasks of vigilance. Um, and then joining us uh, remotely, but coming on screen, is Barry Goldstein, noted musician, musical artist. Well, look at that. And a <laughs> longtime Hemisync collaborator, um, and also known for uh, various mainstream musical pursuits, um, including co producing the Grammy winning 2005 album 69 Freedom Special with the legendary Les Paul. Uh, Barry, good to see you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, Barry has collaborated with many of the best known uh, self help. Um, authors and teachers out there, um, including Dr. Joe Dispenza, Neil Donald Walsh, uh, Dan Amen, and of course, Anita Morjani, New York Times best-selling author um, of the books uh, Dying to Be Me um, and um, What If This Is Heaven? Um, so Anita travels internationally uh, to give workshops um, and to speak, um, and this Hemisync album that we produced together is called Pieces of Heaven, um, we'll play you a brief sample for it right now.
so um, this album was inspired by your famous now near-death experience, Anita. Um, would you care to just kind of briefly recount it for us? And... Sure. Um, so I had a near-death experience back in 2006 because I had end-stage cancer. Mm. I had lymphoma, which had spread throughout my entire lymphatic system. I had tumors, some of them the size of golf balls, from the base of my skull all around my neck, in my chest, all the way down to my abdomen. At that point, I, had, I was um, suffering from lymphoma for four years. And um, I, I got to end stage, and at that point, my lungs were filled with fluid, my muscles had atrophied because my body was no longer absorbing nutrition. And on February the 2nd, 2006, I went into a coma. Mm. But in the coma, even though my physical body was in, in a coma, I had an out-of-body experience where I realized that, um, that I had a purpose. I mean, and I felt amazing though. When I was outside of my body, I could see my body lying there on the hospital bed. Um, and it wasn't like I was looking at it through physical eyes. It was more like an awareness. And I was mm -hmm. aware. It was like I had 360 degree peripheral vision. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt so light and free and incredible. Yeah. And I felt so loved. It's, it's just the most incredible feeling ever. Um, I don't recall ever feeling that way in my life before. And all the pain was gone and the fear of the cancer was gone. It was mm. just all gone. Mm -hmm. And I then started to understand why I had the illness and I started to understand why I had chosen to come into this life and my purpose and all these things. It was like being in this state of clarity. And there was a lot that happened in that realm. Um, so I'm just giving you kind of the shortened version. Yeah. But I reached a point where I had a choice of whether to come back into this world, into the physical body, or stay there. No part of me wanted to come back. Mm. But I had this understanding, and I speak more about this like on my website and in my books, about how I encountered my deceased father on the other side. And my father wanted me to know that now that I knew the truth of who I really am, which means that I was more powerful. We all are. We're all a lot more powerful than we've been led to believe. Um, so my father wanted me to understand that now that I knew this truth, that if I chose to go back into my body, that my body would heal very, mm. very quickly. And so I did choose to come back into my body and the cancer tumors just shrunk rapidly over mm. the weeks right after coming out of the coma. So I came out of the coma on February the 3rd, about 36 hours after I'd gone in the coma. Mm. And the doctors couldn't believe it. Like within four days, the, some of the tumors had shrunk 60%. In three and a half weeks, they were having difficulty finding the tumors. They thought they had got the wrong medical records when they were doing the comparison. Wow. Um, in five weeks, they let me out of the hospital to, live, to go home and live my life cancer-free, and that was in 2006. Wow, that's an incredible story. Um, and so have you been cancer-free ever since? And, yes. And, okay, and so you, you went on to write the books and yes. become a teacher after that. Um, incredible stuff. Um, and Barry, I know you've worked a lot with music in healing, mod in, uh, healing modalities, 
Um, what do you think music has to do with states similar to the near-death experience or other extraordinary states of consciousness, expanded states of consciousness? Yeah, well, a lot of what Anita's talking about, those states um, of, of unconditional love and feeling like you're floating and also of feeling that unconditional love, not wanting to come back, you know, music has the ability to take us on those journeys in the same way, especially when we're designing it that way. And it's not a random experience, but we're looking to achieve that through the music and targeting those specific states. And we have the ability to bring people into more relaxed, those relaxed states where they can receive guidance, they can receive messages, they can feel that connection uh, beyond themselves. So I think it's it's really part of the blueprint of music, why music is here, um, you know, as we listen to it and, and beyond art and entertainment, but as a, as a tool for transformation yeah. that, you know, that's really the target of it is to take us to those states that Anita is talking about, whether it's, you know, in a near-death experience or whether it's just a listener sitting down and trying to move to that relaxed state. You know, that's my... Um, my belief and my passion is we can get people there, you know, utilizing music very effectively. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that this relaxed state is key to a lot of things um, having to do with well-being. Um, and um, lots of folks, I think, don't really understand what it means to be truly relaxed. Um, they think if they're, you know, at home after work with their feet up, watching TV, maybe having a beer, that they're relaxed. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, it's kind of a state that has to be um, practiced and learned. Um, and so um, one of the things that we do at uh, Hemisync is we try to help people relax by um, in, um, in inducing um, alpha brain waves. So these are brain waves kind of between uh, 7 to 14 hertz. Um, and we, there have uh, actually been studies done that um, show that with uh, veterans who were suffering from PTSD at uh, Walter Reed, um, they were listening to uh, Hemisync, and um, it seemed to help them on um, all four factors that were uh, researched with uh, very st uh, statistically significant results. Um, and this happens by stimulating the, parasympath the parasympathetic nervous system, um, which is something that it's very difficult to do if you're sick and you're obsessed with a disease, um, with the illness, because that's very stressful. Um, so learning how to re relax from that state uh, can be a challenge. Yeah, and I mean, that state that we're talking about, that parasympathetic state, you know, is when your body slows down in, in this um, in case mode with, with hemisync, you're slowing the brain waves down. Um, and also within this piece that we created, you know, during the meditative parts, I'm also targeting the heart at a relaxed state. Mm. So we have the ability to entrain in our brain, but we also have the ability to entrain our heart to a relaxed state. Yeah. And it's like a kind of like a one-two punch because, you know, we could target that heart at a relaxed state, which is at about 60 beats per minute, mm -hmm. which was what I did on those the meditative parts. You know, our brain waves are slowing down in accordance with that. And there are new studies that are showing that, when we're in this coherent heart state, that are are we're producing more alpha brain waves as well. So there, those two intelligences, the heart and the brain, are working yeah. together. Yeah. And so that's what's so beautiful about the coming together of our project uh, that Anita and I did with uh, with Hemisync, 
is that it's not an either or it's really a power tool when you combine both and the heart and the brain yeah. can both entrain to that parasympathetic state. The body has the ability to do so many beneficial things to revitalize, to rejuvenate, to detox, mm -hmm. to digest food better, to build the immune system. All of things, these things can happen by utilizing uh, the technologies that we're talking about. Well, getting the head and the heart to work together makes a lot of sense um, because one of the keys to healing really is to feel the state of wellness. Um, and so to feel the state of wellness, you, you have to kind of think it and you have to have the emotion to go with it. Um, and when you have those two working together, that's really, the, uh, that's really when you have feeling. Um, and that's when you have um, basically prayer that is impactful. Um, and it also sounds a lot like the state that you experienced when you were in this you know, near-death yeah. transcendent state. Yeah, um, you know, what I'd like to add is that when I was in that state, I was in this state that was like so blissful and so beautiful and so peaceful. And yeah. it's almost like when you're in that state, you're out of the way. And so your body can do what it needs to do. Mm -hmm. But when we are stressed out and our brain is working all the time, even when we think we're relaxing in front of the TV, as no. you say, we still, our cortisol is still, is still amped up and mm -hmm. we're not actually relaxing. But so I often suggest to people to meditate, but meditating is not easy for everyone. Right. And I find I find it really hard to just meditate. But music and having the tools like mm -hmm. something like this would make it so much easier. Yeah. And if somebody just allows themselves to get into that relaxed state using this yeah. every day, it's like you get your mind out of the way so that your body can do what it's supposed to do. Because actually our bodies are trying to heal all the time. Mm -hmm. Our bodies are our bodies are smarter than we give the, give it credit to be and our bodies are reaching for healing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I realized when I was in that state was that I had not allowed my body to heal because mm -hmm. I was so fearful and I was so stressed out and I was always so depleted. But once you get out of the way, your body can kind of do what it needs to do. Uh -huh. That's a great way to put it. Um, so think of this as training wheels for getting into a relaxed state, uh, training wheels for meditation, um, and uh, hopefully for healing. Um, wow, so that, that was a great summary. Anything else uh, folks want to add? Or? Well, I just want to say that the music for this was very specific. And, you know, Anita and I had many conversations during the process of this I, I was very curious to to see what she heard when she was in that state and because i really wanted to simulate an experience where where people would feel that same way so um for for each of the passageways really are representative of part of anita's journey and we went back and forth to really create this experience for people so it's not just music that was put together or even composed I call it designer music, you know, because um, it was designed for a specific reason and intention um, and a vibration and a harmonic within it that I believe are all part of a recipe that creates that, you know, that healing space for people to move into. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, Barry really put a lot into it. So he always does. Yeah. And Barry's a perfectionist and the music I thought was so beautiful. I love Barry's music. But when we were working on it together, he really was getting into the words because I was like just um, 
just it felt like I was just channeling the words I needed to say and mm. and as I was putting the words out Barry was like designing the music around the words and it mm -hmm. was just yeah it was just the the music is heavenly I love it it is that's yeah. why it's called pieces of heaven <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a beautiful process I mean and it's one of my most life-changing and transformational experiences in collaboration so I, I'm glad that it's rippling out and and as well moving into a, a new audience with uh, with Hemisync as well. So I think people are really going to get a lot out of it and enjoy it. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, thank you both for uh, collaborating with us and uh, we look forward to future projects. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. Thank Thanks you. So Anita, one thing that I wanted to ask you about, um, just in reading the book, is you know you had at first tried kind of a naturopathic Ayurvedic uh, route towards healing where you went to India yeah. and it really seemed like you were getting a lot better if not healed and then you know you kind of got off of it when you went back home and you got on more of a western track I guess um, and that's when you got sick again and I guess you technically recovered under what was a western regimen but it was really the NDE that did it for you so what advice well first I guess what do you take from that and then what advice if any would you give to people that might be finding themselves in this in, in a similar health situation that's a great question so what happened for me was that um, I when I was diagnosed with the lymphoma I was extremely fearful of the disease and of Western medicine because in my environment um, my best friend was dealing with cancer a different type but she was having uh, Western medicine she was having the chemotherapy radiation and everything but it wasn't working and it was she was deteriorating mm -hmm. and it looked to me as though the treatment was making her worse that's what it appeared and I'm not saying that's the case for everybody who yeah. has that treatment but um, in that environment um, I was very very fearful of the cancer and I so what I did was I removed myself from that environment I went to India and I followed an Ayurvedic regime where I was doing yoga and doing the Ayurvedic treatments. And in that new environment, the word cancer wasn't even used. Yeah. Um, I was told that what I had was an imbalance in my body and any disease comes from an imbalance. And so all they were trying to do was to balance everything within my body. And yeah. so every day I'd wake up, I'd do the yoga, I'd eat the right foods <clears throat> and I'd learn to relax and everything. So I was there for six months and um, the, the lymph nodes that had been swollen, you know, as, which is what lymphoma is, they all started to decrease in size. They mm -hmm. kind of softened, they got decreased. I felt better, I felt really good. I could feel myself really healing. I was probably 70%, 80% healed. They were like 80% gone. Yeah. Um, and then I decided that I could go back home and continue the regimen and I'd been gone for about six months and I missed home, I missed my family. Mm -hmm. And so when I went home, what I was faced with though was that my best friend, she was even worse and I was shocked to see how much she deteriorated. Mm -hmm. And she was having all these different treatments and surgeries and everything. And so that was a shock and I was in that environment where I was surrounded by people who believed only in allopathic medicine and doctors and oncologists. I was back in that environment yeah. and everybody was asking me, so what did you do? How, you know, what have you been doing for your 
cancer <laughs> and and suddenly it was like back to the fear of cancer and the word cancer because the environment I was in they didn't even use that word yeah. um, it was all about treating yourself with no fear um, so anyway I started to feel all this fear and they said have you had yourself tested here have you had a scan since you've come back and I got really afraid because I knew that if I had a scan, I wasn't yet 100% there. I still mm. had a little bit of work to do. And if they found the trace of cancer still in me, yeah. they would have immediately started administering the allopathic treatment. And so when I said, I don't really want to scan yet, they said, oh, you're crazy. And um, are you sure what you've been doing is not quackery? How do you know to trust them? And, mm. you know, and so for me, it didn't make a lot of sense because what I had been doing was working. And here I was seeing what was being done to my friend was not working. Yeah. And I thought, why is it that they feel that what I'm doing is quackery, whereas this is acceptable? But yet at the same time, I started to feel super fearful because everybody was kind of saying, you need to at least go get a scan. You need to see where it's at, what it's doing. And I kept saying, no, I can deal with it. I know the regime. I know what it is I have to do every day. But I found that it wasn't just knowing what to do. Mm. It's not just about the diet and doing the yoga. It's your state of mind. Yeah. I was back in an environment where there was this fear around cancer. There mm. was this where, where it's this whole thing with the allopathic medicine. And so I got super fearful. I started to feel the lymph nodes starting to harden again, and it started to come back. I went and finally had a, had a scan done because I could feel I was deteriorating. Mm -hmm. And that's when the doctors told, uh, told us, told Danny, that it was too late, that I, I had only three months to live. Mm. And once I was told, once I realized that, I deteriorated dramatically yeah. within six weeks. I was on my deathbed mm -hmm. and yet the prior year I was doing so well when I was in India in an environment where they didn't even talk about cancer, where they didn't even use that word. Right. And that has affected my thinking so much because I have since learned that I am someone who's highly suggestible mm -hmm. and I'm not the only one like that apparently. There's a lot of people like this where if I'm told that I am that that I'm feeling fantastic there's that there's nothing wrong with me and I have nothing to fear and this is what you have to do I will be you know I'll be able to follow it and, and I'll get healthy yeah. but if I'm told that I have three months to live I probably will only have three months to live right. I am someone who's highly suggestible and I think I'm not the only one like that yeah. and that really impacts the way I view medicine and so if I had to give advice to anybody out there I would say that you need to do whatever treatment empowers you. Choose a treatment and a protocol and also a healthcare practitioner that empowers you. If allopathic mm. treatment empowers you, great, do that. If um, alternative empowers you and makes you feel good and less fearful, great, you should do that. If it's a combination, do that. But get people to support you on your journey mm. and do not surround yourself with people who are going to make you second guess your choices. Mm. That would be my advice. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. Also, I mean, I, I think it's so interesting that from a sound perspective as well, that even we're, we're constantly interpreting 
words and and how those words relate to our physical body we're sending messages to our bodies you know when someone's in an, an office and you hear the word cancer how is your your body interpreting yeah. the energy behind those words when your doctor is telling you that yes. and what is your body going into doing right there in that moment you know we have a pharmacy in our body that's producing beneficial hormones and the hormones that are not beneficial and we move into those states of anxiety and stress and fear and our bodies start producing cortisol our immune systems have less to fight with right and also that when we move to those states of fear or anxiety or these lower vibrational emotions that we actually form incoherent um, heart rhythms as well and that's a prime indicator you know of our heart rate variability when we're in the the positive states of love and appreciation, we can improve our heart rate variability, which in turn is our, it's our beat to beat um, measures or differences in our heart rate that allow mm -hmm. us to adapt to stress. Yeah. And so when we're in these states of fear and anxiety, and as, although it's not something we always talk about in the sound healing community, our linguistics mm -hmm. and how we're, we're telling our bodies around whatever we are, our prognosis is, has such a humongous effect on on our health and how we um, how we work with our healing our body as opposed to tearing our body down. Yeah. So I, yes. I think it's really important the words we use, the energy behind the words. Yes. And also um, music can be antidotal in those cases as well. You know, when you were in those states of fears and that's really a lot of what um, this release is about, how do we move people to states when they are in fear? right, and they're feeling all of those things, can they reach into a sound toolbox, you know, and pull something out that even if it's for 10 or 20 minutes, that those fear levels come, come down and the body starts producing the more beneficial hormones, you know, mm -hmm. that we can, we can create a program to really move against those um, negative emotions like yeah. fear and anxiety. So yeah, I think great. it's a great conversation. Yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. Very well said, Barry. That's so yeah. true. And that's why it's so important. I actually, you know, although we've been using the word cancer because of the topic, but I very rarely or I try not to use it unless I have to. Mm. When I'm talking to people, dealing with people, dealing with their disease and issues and mm. physical challenges, I tend not to use that word as far as I can, because that word has an energy that causes a reaction in people's bodies. And I also find it ironic that our medical system um, can be so fearful the way they mm -hmm. deal with disease. It can be so fearful. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're going through a disease, that's when you want your body to be at its best. You don't want it to have those negative reactions because you want it to provide the healing hormones and, and the endorphins and everything that it needs for healing. Absolutely. And I think it's so important too that you surround yourself, as you said, with a team because that fear is easily um, fed by other people's fear when they uh -huh. hear it. A hundred percent. Yeah, where, where someone who's diagnosed with the C word, um, you know, the, after a while they don't want to tell other people because they feel it's building upon that same fear. Yes. You know, I have a friend who... Um, also, you know, he's been going through treatment and he, he picked allopathic is what he believed in, but he has never called it um, cancer. 
ever. Mm. He's always like going in for a treatment this week. Mm. I'm I'm treating, you know, what I what I what the challenge is. Mm. And um, you know, That's he's done perfect. very well. Yeah. Because of the mindset. And yeah. also he doesn't he doesn't talk a lot about it only with a select select group of people who he knows really support that. Mm-hmm. That's really important. Yeah, that's really smart. Because even when I was going through it, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want, I didn't want to talk to people because I knew the first thing they'd do is ask me how it was and Mm. how's the progress. And and every time you met someone, that's what they wanted to know. And so I would avoid meeting people. Uh, Yeah, I, I hated talking about it over and over again. Yeah. So having that core group and like a spiritual team behind you that supports yeah is is a big part of the process yeah it is it is oh pay attention to your feelings folks yes let let that be your guide don't ignore and your words and your words are choose your words carefully and and pay attention to how your words make you feel Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. right the emotion that's connected to them Mm -hmm. yeah that's so great all part of sound healing it is yes yes So thanks for joining us, folks. Um, if you liked this, uh, please feel free to share it up. Um, leave a comment, ask a question. We'll try to get back to you. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media um, as well as on YouTube. Um, subscribe to both our, of our email lists or all three of our email lists yeah. and make sure you don't miss a thing. Uh, we'll uh, talk to you next time. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.